What's happening? Welcome to season two of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode, and we have a whole new set of poets and are still focusing on what it means to be black, British, and a poet or spoken word artist. If you're interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, Remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This episode, I am joined by B. Manzini and Tanaka Fuego. As poets, a lot of time is spent providing space for others to look after themselves. But what does it look like to focus on your own well-being? Let's take time with this one. This is awesome. Oh wow! Um, oh my days! Where? How? How to? I feel like I start every conversation in some form of overwhelming. Oh my gosh! How do I start this? What's going on? Get the sirens out. Let's make some noise up in air type thing. But I generally feel like um, for every conversation I have and 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 to the folks I'm speaking to, I am. Um, I'm just appreciative, do you know what I mean? And I think this is, it's no different. It's no different, it's no different. Can we just kind of just, just for the massive to hear your voices, hello, hi, how are you? Are you all right? Are you both good? <laughs> hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, thank you. Better for seeing you both. Oh my gosh. Um, so myself, Tanaka, and B, we're gonna be engaging in in, in a vibe, a vibe of a conversation. Um, we can't just checking in on our well being, checking in on how how as writers we ensure that our well being is prioritized, and how at best we look after ourselves at points that are are high, at points that are low, and 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 sustaining throughout that whole process. I think there's no before I even get into you know, folks even getting to know you and the work you do, I just want to do like a check-in if that's all right. I feel like both of you kind of done so much in making the space as safe as you can. And I look forward to talking about that a bit more. And it wasn't until until this conversation, I think this morning, this morning I I left I left the house and I was like, how am I feeling? I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like, I don't actually, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I'm making sense. I just feel like I'm not as confident. I don't feel as confident. I looked at myself, I was just like, I feel really rough for one. I look rough and then looking rough, I then took a deeper look into myself. I was just like, everything starts to now come out of nowhere in terms of how that feel. And then I start to wear that on my body a little bit more. And I was just like, all right, cool. This is the, this is the, this is the position I'm in. Now, how do I shake myself out of it? And I'm just like, nah, actually, I'm not going to shake myself out of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit into that and I'm going to try to make some sense of that. So I think that's how I'm coming in in this conversation. It's, it's, this is how I'm feeling, but at the same time, I'm very present in, in that feeling, if you know what I mean. And, and that's, that's me at the moment. How what about you, Tanaka? How are you feeling? I'm feeling... Oh, that's a very, in- I don't think I asked myself today how I felt. Mm. Honesty, I think I've, I woke up 
and I felt a day. Does that make sense? You know, you can just feel a day, like a day uh-huh. is happening and it started, but there's no emotion to the day yet. So yeah, I did that, had a run, I prayed and a lot of things have happened in the midst of those things and personal relationships. But as of right now, in this moment with you, I feel, I feel present, mm. which is, I think, a blessing you can ask for. And I feel very much so aware of the fact that I'm alive currently with you. Mm. I think it's because of your own awareness of your livelihood. So thank mm. you for that. No, you're welcome. Um, B, hey, how are you feeling? Hey, I'm good. I'm feeling excited to have this conversation. Um, I think for me at the moment, just like in the world and in my body, I'm really searching for and looking for stability. I feel like everything feels so unstable. I've had so many shocks over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's like, it's almost like anything can kick off at any moment. And so there's a hypervigilance that's like, it's a quiet little buzz that's like been there for some time. But within that, and mostly within that, a a deep, deep sense of gratitude. Deep, Mm. deep. Um, Thank you both. Um, Thank you. Thank you just for sharing that. I, I am thankful for your presence. B, we go back a long time. Um, It's, it's, like, you know, it was, it was, it was even within your company that I met poets like Dennis Smith, to name but a few, do you know what I mean? Like, this is even before I was aware of the company that I was within. Like, you usher, not necessarily, I wouldn't say ushering, but you kind of opened this landscape in terms of when we're talking about international poets, kind of seeing, or, or we, of the poets that we were aware of stateside or what have you in different areas and bringing them right to the fore. What we're talking about, I, I think it was in Stratford. I feel mm-hmm. like it was in Stratford. I feel like it was around, let's say in, in just in, in the UK. Let's just put it as that, right? In terms of folks that seems real far away, bringing them right. And I'm like, oh, hey, oh, that's within proximity to have conversations. Do you see what I mean? And I don't, I don't think people understand just your impact and and how you've contributed to this scene. Do you see what I mean? I think it's very important that we start this off, that I give you your flowers in terms of the influence, in terms of people that folks are holding up right now. I'll be like, yeah, that's my, that's the poet. They're dope. They're da-da-da-da-da. But they don't know the behind the scenes in terms of some of the folks that kind of brought them to a point of like in our own kind of... um for us to be aware. Do you see what I mean? Like these folks are within reach, these folks you can talk to and what have you. And I think in in terms of that, there were poets at that time that I thought, oh, you could only just tweet or just whatever, or just watch on YouTube. And yourself and a number of other poets done everything you could in bridging that gap. And, and I'm very thankful for that impact. And I hope I just want you to kind of just hold that. <laughs> I mean, just to, just to hold that, just in case if people don't kind of let you know about these things. Tanaka, thank you so much for joining this conversation. The fire, the absolute fire. I remember one time I was in a poetry gig. I was like, yo, who is that? Who, who is that? Do you know, there's, there's, there's always a feeling where you just feel like, yo, your folks are coming for that 
thrown be like people are coming to snatch that crown and run people are, and it's, and I felt that energy and I, and 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 in the in the absolute nicest way possible it's almost like you make me realize that yo this this is forever this kind of young folk sport it's forever this kind of thing where you're making me work consistently and at, at the point when I saw you and I continue to just kind of see the work you do and the absolute braggadocious, unapologetic vibes that you're just in the face of people with your work. You just remind me to kind of keep my vim at 100, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's me <laughs> to both of you, like in terms of just, just please, just taketh the floweriths. You know what I mean? Indeed. Um, and right back at you, Yomi. And I think you're yeah. one of these people, and it, it is rare in entertainment because I guess that's what we're in, right? Um, for to shout at people and hail out people, and even you know you shouting me at at your show and taking that moment to do that in front of our peers and what have you. It was really special as this is. So you know the amazing work you're doing but your sense of community and your sense of gratitude is is a wonderful thing about you thank Jeez! you big up big up so honestly you're insane. insane um yo for the folks who who are not aware of yourselves the work you do would you mind just speaking briefly about you um, and what you do. <laughs> so, Tanaka, can I start with you, please? Yeah, um, I'm Tanaka Fuego, pronouns he slash they. Um, I'm a spoken word artist, uh, facilitator, you know, youth mentor, all those things. Um, newly kind of mental health first aider qualified, um, but just overall a love of humanity who just happens to be a dyke. So I think that's just the simplest way to say who I am. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. B? I would describe myself as um, a writer, a director. Um, I Poetry has always been my first love and it will always be part of my life. But I am also heavily involved in the film industry and it's great to be able to incorporate all of the things I love into my writing space. Um, and so, yeah, I have written poems, of course, performed poems, but I've also worked on short form film as well. I'm currently in the process of making another one. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Um, can we talk a little bit about where you find yourself right now in your field? Um, like, in the first instance, I course, poetry and and I come seeing you in campaigns for for like all these different brands, for example. Did you ever think that would be the way? Like, how do you feel to be in those spaces? Um, B, same thing. Would you consider kind of poetry and then now it's, it's branched in, in film. Um, how, how, how's that journey been? If we're dealing with just words, these are words. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, when <laughs> I tell you, I have the most surreal experiences. Um, I'm at I'm at like a menswear kind of show, for example, and I'm like, hold on, poetry brought me here. How is this making any sense? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, do you ever consider just the scope of how far 
words, your words, can take you? Please be good. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you're saying that about the spaces we can occupy in one minute you're at London Fashion Week or you're doing whatever it is. And, you know, similarly for me, you know, being on the red carpets that I've been on in the spaces that I've been with certain people and, you know, they say never um, meet your heroes, but I've got to say meeting Mary J. Blige was a highlight in life. <laughs> it was a highlight in life. because she's so real. What? <laughs> so she, um, when I walked into the, the door, she saw me open her arms and was like, sis, and we were dancing the night. And there's moments where you go, this is kind of wild. Like Yo. the person that was like the soundtrack to my life, basically. Um, and those types of moments and, you know, many other people in between. And yeah, exactly that. That word got me here. I mean, I think for me, in many ways, I was an accidental poet. So mm. I, you know, walked into the bug bar one evening and I saw Jacob Samler Rose with the Afro knee and the glasses and the leather jacket and he was spitting on the mic doing his thing as Jacob was doing and a host of other poets. And I was like, rah, this is the thing. Like, this yeah. is this is a whole scene. Um, and, you know, went away and scribbled down some stuff and then appeared at Urban Griots and... Ty, um, may he rest in peace, and, and mm. Breeze and Fatima were holding that space for poets to come and slam. And, you know, I slammed and I played seconds against some pretty big heavyweights. Mm. But, you know, what stayed with me is John Z. D. writing in my notebook and saying, you know, your poetry is some of the realest that I've heard in a long time. And I was like, that's John Z. D. you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so I think that for me, discovering poetry or poetry discovering me was like such a beautiful blessing and then similarly with film as well you know I made a film with no budget submitted it to a competition and it screened at the Royal Festival Hall and then people kept asking for the film and wow. I was like oh wow there's this there's film festivals there's all of this stuff going on and got into you know that space in a really accidental way too so like I know I know my ancestors got me 100 percent mm. Even in the way that you just like the names, just that trajectory, Jacob, Samuel, Rose, Ty, Breeze, <laughs> John ZD. It's almost like these kind of like the, 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 the infrastructures of, of how um, black British art for the most part is, is take. And there's plenty more names, not to mention as well, Early Doors, Malika's Poetry Kitchen as well, like in terms of... Um, you, you, we are members of Malika's Poetry Kitchen in terms of how many people that you know that you share that space with, that I share that space with also. Thank you. Um, Tanaka? Yeah, um, my pen carrying me into certain spaces, I always, did I know? I think, no, I, do you know what I mean? I think for anyone to say they knew, I guess you have to be quiet. I mean, even more braggadocious than me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't even that bad, you know what I mean? But um, no, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I never thought about it like that. Does that make sense? Like, Go I never it. knew where I was intended on going, mm. but I knew that my pen was gonna take me somewhere, right, mm. away from where I was, and that's all I ever needed to know for me. Mm. Like I always just trusted in a higher power for me, God, 
and just like knowing that my pen was going to get me out of a hellhole and it did. You know what I mean? Like I accidentally submitted myself into a national, do you know what I mean, an international poetry competition. And that's how I started off poetry when I was living in America. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up on a team when the team already had been formed. Like mm-hmm. it's all these things where it's like coincidences, accidents, mm-hmm. as some could say, but it was all purposeful. Yeah. You know, I know that life for me is intentional. So no, I didn't know. I didn't have foresight, but I'm not surprised at the same time. You know, yeah. to be doing, isn't that what life is about? You both, you know, in just kind of in, in, in being in conversations with both of you, there are elements of, um, so for example, the I know that you've verbalized how you feel. If somebody asks you how you feel, you will say it and you will let them know. Um, in previous conversations, um, a, a point was dropped where it's like, <laughs> someone walks up you, you catch up with someone you're talking, talking, talking they're like oh how are you and they're like well if you really want to know how I am and it's almost like uh, uh. so it's almost like the, the, the genuine kind of the entry point in asking how someone is it's almost like you don't really want to know because if I tell you why you make why are you acting like you, you didn't want me to tell you how I am, but that's what you asked. So what would you rather? I'm good. <laughs> and then mm. we just keep the convo going from there. It's, it's, and I, I, I'm, I'm just interested in not so much the unapologetic nature in regards to how you, you share your work and the, the topics in which you touch on, but more so the importance of it. So if, if, why is it important to, just share these feelings, so to speak, irrespective of if it might make someone feel like, oh my God, I'm either uncomfortable or I don't know how best to um, deal with what you just um, shared. But you asked me how I am. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I told you, yeah. <laughs> you know, have you ever found yourself in those kind of situations before? Yeah. I mean, I think vulnerability is a really interesting thing. And as you know, like I you know, was working on a whole project producing around that and talking to it and talking to poets and talking about it. And I think that one of the really interesting things for me is that I'm still growing into my vulnerable space because let's face it, in the body that I'm in, the world is generally unsafe. You know, I'm generally on this um, process of just trying to contain what I'm feeling so that I can do what I'm doing. So I'm not labeled the angry black woman or I'm not labeled whatever the stereotypes and things are out there. So I'm still growing into that vulnerability, but I guess what I'm learning to do is to be discerning. And I think that there's people that you meet that you either know them well enough or you know they're open-hearted enough to be able to hold the truth of who you are and your authenticity. And actually not everybody deserves that. Let's be real. Because that's also a gift that you're giving. Because when you show up like that, that allows other people to show up like that. Mm. You know, often people that I'm really asking, how are you? How are you? I ask them, how's your heart? I don't even say, how are you? I say, how's your heart? So that they've got permission and they know that I'm capable and I've got the capacity to hold space for their truth. 
And I think that, you know, it's something that you cultivate and it's something that you learn. And, you know, there's been times when I have been honest with somebody and regretted it later because Mm. I'm like, oh, I can feel like that. Like that was a lot for you. And now I feel like I'm a lot. But that's not what it is. It's just that you don't have the capacity in that moment to hold space in that way. So I think it's, you know, you have to be really discerning about it. But I also have a background in in therapy and therapies. So I've studied Gestalt. I've studied systemic trauma. I've also, you know, um, done Reiki and aromatherapy and massage and reflexology and a lot of the caring um, modalities in terms of being able to hold other space, hold space for other people. And so I think that inspires people to be able to hold it for me on some level. Thank you. Um, T? What was the question? I was I was into the Reiki and the discernment. <laughs> I'm sorry. Actually, to, to be fair, I don't even know. That was more a specific, um, that was one specific for B because I feel like We've had conversations in the past where there's been transparency in terms of just how, where we're at, (laughs) just where we're at emotionally, where we're at mentally and all all that. I feel that I feel like, ah, yeah, why not? Let's go into it. Let's get, let's get into it. Right. My, 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 I've just wrote down um, well-being at what cost? Yeah. That's like a well-being at what cost? Do you see what I mean? Because... The work that I've heard from you, the the what you are dipping into, the work you're sharing, is it's deep stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's painful stuff. It can be for me, I feel like if I'm doing that on a constant, it can be draining. But at the same time, I'm like, is this cathartic also in terms of if you held it in, you're are you doing damage to yourself? Mm. If you if you release it into the ether, if you let the world know, if you let the people know, is that equally as draining? Um, how, yeah, how? what is that process like for you? Because if you're doing like a feature set and four of those poems are from such a place that deals with trauma, deals with blackness in a way that, that, that is difficult, and if you got like three sets in a week and you're going through the same kind of poems every time, like how, where are you at with those? Have you ever, have you had those situations? Because I know that I've definitely had some of that. But what is it like for you when you go through something like that? Tanaka, is this, this is for you, I believe. Yeah, it's for yeah. you. I can't hear you. I thought you said B. Oh, no, no, T, the C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, it's close, it's close. The letters, um, the letters, man. A hundred percent. I think, um, yeah, you know, I think it's it's a, it's a mixture of it all, right? Like, it is a thing of release, right? Mm-hmm. Release, finding relief, relief in release. I think that is a really powerful thing to do. It is therapeutic on that level. But then, yeah, like, if it's, if I'm doing four shows a week, then 100% you're in a place sometimes where the first performance ain't always going to look like the third performance. Mm. And the third performance might not look at like the second. And it just depends on the, the place I'm in on the day. It depends on the week I'm having. It depends on how, you know, I think sometimes, I don't know if you guys can relate, but I think as an artist, sometimes you wake up and it's, yo, like all this stuff I've done, I'm really proud of it, but it's really heavy. And I'm not even in that place anymore. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, you could write a piece and then you finally perform it for the first time four months later. And eight months later, you're like, this isn't new to me. This is a, it's a feeling that, if anything, I'm triggering myself, right? Like, if I talk about this, if I talk about being misgendered on a train or, you know, abuse or, you know, being assaulted, then it's, yeah, it can be a place of, like, sometimes I work myself into my own paranoia. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to a place where sometimes, you know, every time I do a show, I always have to make sure that my travel is set in a cab. You know what I mean? Regardless of where I'm coming from, just because of incidents that's have, that have occurred and the pieces I do talk about and the fact that when I'm walking home, I will literally be like looking over my shoulder constantly. Looking at, you know, I mean, if a cis man is looking at me too hard or, you know, if I feel like there's a level of threat and I'm like, I have to engage, it, it's a point where I don't even want to put myself in that position anymore. Yeah. You know, I love myself too much. If you want to hear me perform, you should respect my my craft enough to know that I have to be safe to get there and to go back home so that I can do it again, you know? So, yeah, it's a mixture of it all. But overall, I wouldn't keep writing if it wasn't of service to my truest, highest self. Yeah. I know that for a fact, you know? Um, yeah. Before I get into our first poem... I'm really, one of the things that was um, on my mind a bit in, in recent years is how exploitative things can be based off the back of my own trauma, right? In terms of just like, it's one thing for me to get on a stage and perform before an audience and then they're all clapping and that kind of energy comes to you afterwards like, oh, I just didn't know it was just that difficult. I didn't know he was going through this. I didn't know. And some of that commentary sometimes, it, it, though it might come from a, a caring space, sometimes it feels mad voyeuristic. And then I then have to question myself in terms of how much am I putting out into an audience and how protective am I of myself in terms of my own experiences. Um, and I don't know if I'm making sense in any of that. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel 100%. like there were spaces, I feel like, do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of sometimes when, when, when my family, would, when they'll be like, hey, why are you talking our uh, things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They're like, why are you airing this laundry? Like, and the thing is, it talks to what B, it talks to what you're talking about before in terms of just like, you know and trust in the spaces in which you talk and you place people you speak to. Mm -hmm. But then, it's it's almost like there is this conflict of like okay cool here is a here is the space where I can share my work but to what audience when they all they're gonna come to me with is looking for these kind of like um, you know voyeuristic oh you went through that I feel so sorry for you I'm just like that's not what I'm asking from you but at the same time I'm on that stage and I'm sharing that work so yeah you see, <laughs> uh, be any thoughts in that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that as poets, and I think like for many of us that write and don't really have a choice in that writing, because I, I don't think that most people who go down this road and it's a career, it's not something we chose, it chose us. And that's mm. because the way that we process emotions and the way, if you like, you know, our brains work is through transmuting that trauma into something that lives outside of us. Because if it doesn't live outside of you, it's going to live in your body. Mm -hmm. And if it's living in your body, that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to be able to hold that and then keep on moving. It's just going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. Mm. So I think there's an element of it that isn't really about choice, 
we need to express it. I think the choice comes in, in what spaces, as we've been talking about, what spaces do we share that in? You know, there's, there's poems and there's pieces of work that I've only performed in front of black audiences because I've set it up that way, you know, specifically, or even black, you know, women specifically. And I, I wouldn't necessarily do that on, you know, another platform or in another space because that's for me or that's for us in, in a very particular way. And I also believe that when you show up, you know, you're sharing and you're a mirror for anything that that audience member hears because the audience doesn't hear everything and they don't feel everything, but they hear and they feel what they need to to also then transmute their own stuff. Mm. So it's, you know, we need each other. And we need those spaces. It's 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 really important. And I think that, you know, as much as we have to do what we have to do, it's an amazing, amazing privilege to do that. And yeah. I guess I wanted to um, ask you as well, Yomi, about and breathe, because I know that was such a deep personal process and, and work for you, whether that came under that bracket of you were thinking about, what am I, you know, what am I doing? Should I be doing this in this way? Or whether that you'd gone past that? Um, I would definitely answer that. Um, uh, Tanaka, do you have anything just off the, just wanted to check in if you had anything to share in regards to, uh, just I to think, the point and to what B said? Yeah, I think you guys have said it all. I think, I think one thing is also just another question, I guess, is, you know, to the point of ex- being exploitative, right? Isn't, Capitalism is exploitative, period, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess it's about, there's a power in being able to choose where you exploit yourself, right? Like there's a power of being able to say, if you want this much from me, you got to pay me this type of fee. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. crazy enough, trauma sells to the point where people can put a high price. You know what I mean? And I'm not mad about someone paying their bills as long as they still feel whole. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Thank you. Um I was I was super protective of Van Brief, I think. And and you know, interestingly enough, I think there was a there's a point where I kinda entered the scene and entered the points of writing for performance. And I was like, I'm laying it all and I'm talking it all, I'm being as raw as I can, I'm doing but then as I've as I'm getting older and I'm just like crafting a bit more, I'm learning ways of still holding that energy. But not necessarily being as literal in terms of what I need mm-hmm. to say. And I think that's that's the only way I can, that's, that was the best way I could harness in a lot of, it still has the potency, but there's just another entry point for me now because I feel like I'm not trying to necessarily hit for the gut. I'm not trying to go for that straight away. There's another point here that I want you to kind of consider what this kind of pain is like, what this kind of emotion is like without necessarily shock factor without necessarily going for this. And I think that's how I entered mannerism as a whole in terms of just like, yeah, we're going to be looking at these themes and looking at these topics, but I'm not going to outrightly say that this is what it is. We're going to venture into it in story, which also protects me in a way in terms of how I look into it, where it did get difficult in in going back into the book and especially in the third section is there was a point where I made peace with it and now it's time for like editing again to kind of finalize things and I'll have to go back into it again mm-hmm. when I've just made peace of how mm-hmm. to be at ease. You see what I mean? After the run of and Breathe last, like, last year, 
I was in a good position. Like the months were carrying on, but now it's time to kind of gear up to kind of seal the deal on this book and submit it. And I'm like, what? I have to go back into this again? Mm. And then when I went back into it, in came this kind of rush of memories again or what have you. And you know, it's going to happen every single time I pick up this book and I read some poems. I've done an Arvon I don't know, Arvon, um, I was a guest, I was guest reading at Arvon, um, roughly two, three weeks ago. And I read one of the poems from the sequence, um, from the, from, from what the adaptation of the, of the, of the sequence in And Breathe. And as I'm reading it through, I broke down, like I absolutely broke down. And I'm like, oh, sorry. So, but then at the same time, I'm like, well, yo, what am I poly? What am I saying sorry for? Like, what is, but I shocked myself because, and I guess this is another part of performance and reading is sometimes, you know, we get so emotionally invested in the work and the reading of it that it, it just takes over and the emotions take over and you no longer have control in terms of how that comes out. And I know that there were some writers that just don't cross that bridge in terms of crying or they hold firm and they just don't allow themselves to get emotionally overwhelmed in reading their own work because it could come across as unprofessional. It could come across as you don't have control. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's flip side, there are writers that are just like, yo, get into, get, listen, tap it. When I saw, there's never been a point that I see Roger Robinson read Grace that I've not seen him break in floods of tears. Like he goes, absolutely goes. And I'm just like, it's it's so refreshing to see that. Um, and I feel like in some ways it gives me permission to just allow myself to tap into just that emotion. All right, folks, ha, we've reached the end of part one of this conversation. Join us for part two in the next episode of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shode. And I hope you've enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Big ups to audio producer Drew Hawley at the Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to www.applesandsnakes.org and follow Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, please, please, please subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.